Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Let me just read the scripture. It says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, another translation says transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. And today I just want to finish a message I started a long, long, long time ago. I can't even remember when I started. And basically, I'm going to title this message this morning, The Attitude of Thanksgiving. The Attitude of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can be defined as a heartfelt gratitude expressed to God for his love and mercy. Thanksgiving can be described or defined as a heartfelt gratitude. Not just gratitude. Heartfelt. If you miss that out, you miss the whole meaning. Heartfelt gratitude. Expressed to God for his love and mercy. Now, if you've been here for a while, I began a message a while back where I began to talk about the characteristics of the kingdom of God. I said to us that Jesus is the language of the kingdom. And by that I mean when you are reading the Bible, whether you are reading Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, wherever you are reading, you must be actively looking for Jesus. The entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is his story. Particularly now in the New Testament, in the, in the New Covenant, in today's age, so many people are just quick to turn to Hosea and quote the scripture. And yes, the scripture is right. But you have to filter that scripture through Jesus for it to have any meaning today. Now, I'm not making this up. God said this himself in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It's a God who has sundry times and in times past has spoken to the fathers. Who are the fathers? Abraham, Noah, Moses, Joseph, Jacob, Daniel. He's spoken to the fathers by the prophets. So there was a day and time when the ministry of the prophet was the only thing we listened to. Verse 2 says, but in this last day, who's putting Daniel there? I didn't say Daniel, I said Hebrews chapter 1. Father, we send prayer again to this <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> All the intercessors, you know what prayer to be praying. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 now says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So that's how we get the fact that Jesus, or rather God in these last days, is speaking to us by who? His son. So don't bring to me any revelation that is not through the son. Jesus Christ is the last and final revelation of God to us today. End of story. Just that simple. Now, because God knew that some of us will argue and debate that. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. On one side was Moses. On the other side was the prophet Elijah. 
And the disciples were so caught up. So, wow, what a wonderful revelation. Finally, we see Elijah by face. Finally, we see who Moses is. And they were so captivated, so enamored by that revelation, they said they would build three tabernacles. In other words, three churches. And God said, no, not so fast. The voice came from heaven and declared, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Not Moses, the law. Nor Elijah, the prophet. Is everybody following me? So we know that Jesus is the language of God. Whatever God says to me and you, he says it by and through the person of Jesus. Secondly, we want to say that love is the culture of the kingdom of God. In other words, if we are born again, if you have been born again from above, the culture of this born again experience is love. Unconditional, unqualified, unlimited love. Why? Because everything God does is motivated by what? Love. 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 So if you are going to get into this journey and say, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, what that you mean is you are acquiring in a progressive way love as defined by God, not by mankind. My love as a human being can go up or go down depending on the situation. Like I said, I just came back from Lagos, Nigeria. There are some things I saw. It was difficult to demonstrate love. Very difficult. But you see, God is not limited by the human limitations. And it's not not speaking to you and I to move or function by that kind of love. That's why the love we are talking about only comes by the spirit. You cannot have it if you are not born again. It is a fruit of the spirit. Or if I say it in a different way, it is a result of of an encounter and an experience with God. Apart from God, no one can love like God. It's not possible. So love is the culture of the kingdom. And then number three thing we addressed back then is that this kingdom of God has a system, an operation system. If you are going to function in the kingdom of God, if you are going to function in the realm where God moves, then you have to use the system that's in place. Case in point, I cannot go, sir, to Burger King and demand Big Mac. They will look at me like you're crazy. You know what, you know, here at Burger King, we do whoppers. That is our system. Where whopper system. If you want Big Mac, you go to where McDonald's. So many people in the kingdom of God are trying to operate and function with God and in God's kingdom using their own devices and their own methods. It doesn't work. God has an operating system, and that system is called faith. Faith. Faith meaning you don't have to see it to believe it. But if you believe it long enough, you will see it. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you guys here. I am ready to preach myself. Silly! I am talking about believing God and after you've believed, you see the manifestation. The Bible says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Then it goes on to say, all things are possible to them that believe. Not not those that think. That's the problem. We're thinking too much. Not to those that analyze it to death. 
That's the problem. We analyze too much. If God said it, whether you comprehend it, understand it or not, believe what God has said, and then you're going to see it happen. That's the way the kingdom of God functions. Anything outside of that, you are looking for nothing but failure. You believe, and then you see. Man says, let me see, then I believe it. We used to say things a long time ago, it's, it's poison. Sin is believing. Whoever came up with that thing? It must be the devil himself. Sin is believing. Are you kidding me? No. You believe, and then you see. That's what God says. And in my short time on the earth, I found out to be true. You believe it, and it comes to pass. Your believing changes your mind. It changes the way you see things. So we've dealt with three things. The language of God. The love, which is the culture of the kingdom. Faith, which is the system of the kingdom. And today, for a few minutes, we are now dealing with the attitude of the kingdom. The attitude of the kingdom of God is thanksgiving. Giving thanks. That's the disposition of the kingdom of God. That's the attitude of the kingdom of God. The attitude of the kingdom of God is giving thanks. When you read the epistle of Paul, over and over and over, he talks about how, when I remember you, I give thanks to God. When I remember you, I give thanks to God. When I think of you, I give thanks to God. Amen? Amen. Now, in order to adjust the attitude, let me first start by addressing the opposite of the attitude of thanksgiving, which is ingratitude. Ingratitude is the absence of due thanksgiving. Let me use myself as an example, and then I'm going to come to some of you. Years ago, when I first started preaching, my wife and I would drive God knows how many hours to go to preach in the church. And after we finish preaching, they may give us, uh, take us to uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and give us an envelope which we open on the way home. It'd be one $20 bills. So chicken and $20 bill was my paycheck. Am I talking about? And then God began to promote us. Now, I'm going somewhere with this story. And then we go to some places. Uh, you may get $500, you get $1,000. This is what I found out long ago that God had to help me with. That's why I'm using myself as an example. So after you get used to get $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, the next time you go to a place and they only give you two fifty, you cock an attitude. You almost want to ask them, do you know who I am? <laughs> so God had to quickly teach me that the people who gave are not my source. God is quick to send me to a place where I can get ten, twenty thousand dollars and if he so wishes, send me to a place where I get zero. And my attitude in the kingdom should still be that of what? Thanksgiving. I should still be sent to God, even though they gave me nothing. God, what a wonderful privilege. Thank you for this opportunity that I'm privileged to stand before your people and still declare your word. They are not my source. You are my source. You are the one that supply all of my need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, what I'm telling you this morning is not, I didn't read it in the book. I have preached, this is the fact. I don't want to name, name, name the country, but I just, came back, I just came back from there. I'm a dog tired. On my way out of the country, 
a woman that was not even in any of the services heard that I had been in town. I will never forget this. Faye, is Faye here? Is he hiding back there somewhere? My cousin Faye, because he was the one that drove me on that day. And she said, on your way out, can you just stop by the house? I need to send something to someone in the U.S. Faye, my cousin, is there usually. I don't know where he is this morning. Drove me by there. And what did this woman do? She gave me two envelopes. One for me. One for my friend who had left, who were preaching together and he left sooner than I did. Ralph Martin. If you ever hear him, see him, ask him. Yeah. Brand new. $100 bills. $1,000 each. She didn't hear us preach. She gave me one for Ralph Martin and one for myself. And she really had no message for me for the U.S. That was what she wanted to deliver. Now, I'm talking about, what I'm talking about now is about 15 years ago. Think of what a thousand was 15 years ago. Listen. God is sovereign. And what thanksgiving does, it brings in the sovereignty of God to wherever you are, whatever you are doing, whatever is happening in your life. You are saying to yourself, in spite of what I see, despite what is not happening, God, I acknowledge you are there. And you are the one in charge of my life and in charge of my situation. Let me give you another one. Listen, this is not the usual service. Don't look at the clock. Because we, are, we have not started dancing yet. We will dance proper. You notice I took off my jacket already? I may take off my shirt in a few minutes. We will dance properly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Crefredola, years ago, when we first started, he was supporting us at that time with $1,000 a month before we started the church, serving ministry. After two years, we got a notice. The support is cut. My wife and I got together. They said, they're cutting the support. Let's go bless this man. Yeah. We prepared a gift. We give thanks to God for the privilege of having him support us for two years, even to begin with. True story. I got there with my gift to bless him for what he had done in the past. His accountant ran out from some door. I don't know where the guy came out from. Pastor, Pastor, I need to tell you. Ah, I don't know what happened. But Pastor has decided to, to double your gift. This is what they said to me. He said he doesn't know what happened, but that Pastor Della has decided not to cut us off, but to double it. Now, there were two of us that he was supporting with the exact same amount. I don't want to name the other person, but actually I mentioned his name earlier. Did I say something funny? <laughs> Me and the guy got the notice at the same time. Listen, I'm telling you about this God. We got the notice on the same day. He called me whining, complaining. Why would this guy do this? His church is getting larger. His membership is growing. Why is he going to do this? I said, I don't know. God that told him to start can tell him to stop. What I do know is I'm going to give thanks. Mine was not only restored, it was doubled. His was cut forever. Young people, you are graduating. People are giving $10. They're giving $15, $50, $100. Don't be careless to think what they give you is an entitlement. I thank God for to be sure able. And I'm not saying this because you are here. Because I know you are a serious man. I'm not saying this because of you at all. That guy graduated two weeks ago. He almost wore me out with thank you. He thanked me when I gave him the gift. Sent me a text to thank me. Called me on the phone and gave me a voicemail. I said, please leave me alone. 
But I am saying that to help us to understand the value of thanksgiving. When you give thanks, you are sowing a seed. Oh, And when you sow that seed, God in heaven is shaking and say, oh my God, I gave him just those $5. Look at how they are responding to $5. What will they do if I should bless him with a hundred or a thousand? Psalms 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. But we take those things for granted. Because we think we can only give thanks when certain unique things happen. Ingratitude means the absence of due thankfulness. Listen to this. It's not just the absence of thankfulness. The absence of due thankfulness. Has God ever done anything for you? Are you breathing this morning? When you get your food, you just eat it. You just take it for granted. Ah, mama has cooked this my favorite chicken dish. My God, I can't wait to eat it all up. Do you not know there are some people who have not seen chicken in the last five years? We just take those things for granted. Now, it's interesting because in the Bible... Go with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 21. Look at what God says about human beings. Romans 1 verse 21. Ah, these guys are walking. Praise God. Your prayers are walking. Don't stop praying. He said, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were what? Thankful. But, because, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Anytime I don't give thanks, what I'm saying is, I am the source. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I got in that aircraft last night and I was blessing. I said, God, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to honor my commitment to Bakari. But at the same time, thank you that I will not disappoint the lawyers. Oh, I'm telling you the truth. When that plane touched down, ah, they must have thought I was a madman in the aircraft. (laughs) Because when that thing landed like this, I said, whoa, thank you, Jesus. You are faithful to your word. I am serious. Listen, you, you don't take that for granted. Listen, Egypt yeah, just crashed last week. What is the guarantee that when you take off your land? Who promises you that? Other than God. A flood of 12 hours, 12 minutes. Landed safely. And you don't think I will celebrate I give God glory. I thank God. And I text Brother Tunda and say, I'm here. I arrived. And I'm safe. And I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But people took took it for granted. The human falling nature does not give God credit. And God knows it. He puts it in right there in Romans 121. Secondly, and this should concern all of us in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at one of the signs of the last days. Well, I guess we better start from verse 2. Verse 2, thank you very much. Thank you. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. What's the next thing he says? Unthankful. Unthankful. Listen, 
many of us here as parents, we experience that with our kids. You pay tuition, $3,000, $5,000, whatever it is for your kid to go to school. How many times do they thank you in the semester? Is that right? Oh, daddy, after all, you brought me to this earth. You must send me to college. Really? Really? First semester, you paid it. Second semester, you paid it. They come home and lunch, and in the summer, they eat your food up. A gallon of milk, half a day is gone. Don't even think about it. They just, they're like camels. And while they are doing it, it does not occur to them every now and then to get money. And then they say, Mommy, Daddy, I really appreciate what you guys do for us. To keep us in school. To help us. To support us. Because we know that it's not like that everywhere else. Unthankful. God deliver us from an unthankful generation. And I pray that our children will understand what we are saying. That they will not be ungrateful and unthankful. But it's a sign of the times. I remember. And I'm sorry I keep on going back to this. In 1978. I got a job. At Eastern Airlines. First of all, I wasn't looking for the job. I was in some dead-end job somewhere at Color Tiles selling wallpapers. I remember this very vividly. And this Jewish man walks to the store and he saw my zeal, my energy, and my passion. And he called me and said, come here. What are you doing here? Ah. I said, what does it look like I'm doing here? <laughs> Am I robbing the store? I mean, I'm working here. And he said to me, I have two kids. They're both working at Eastern Airlines. And they do this, they do that, they do that. He said, I need to go there tomorrow and see. So I went. I got there, they told me they were not hiring, but they said, we can, you can put an application down. So instead of going home, I sat down there and filled it. True story. By the time I completed the application, and gave it back to the lady. He said, oh, we, we, we're going to give you a test now. And if we pass, you get a job. What? From no hiring to a test. I was praying, I hope it's not mathematics. <laughs> because if it's mathematics, we don't need to do the test. <laughs> they, can just, they can just give me my... <laughs> now, of course, if it was... Container plus container. I, can, I know the answer is two. <laughs> Long story short, before I left the office, they gave me the job. I went home with the job. I got home. True story. The officer who processed my, the manager, the HR manager, I went and bought him a packer pen. The secretary who said there was no job, but then there was a job, I bought a necklace. I went back there and gave it to both of them. Now, I did not realize that ingratitude was that entrenched until I did that. And that HR manager looked at me in the face. He said, Bank, do you know how many people come through this place and get a job and I never see them again? And the man marked me from that day forward. There was nothing I wanted while I sat there that I did not get. True story. True story. Gratitude. A heartfelt the gratitude, yeah, gratitude attitude is a gratitude, a heartfelt gratitude expressed to God for his love and mercy. 
This was the reason for which Nabal died. First Samuel chapter 25, verse 21. David helped him in the open to take care of his flock, take care of his servants. On the day of David's need, he just asked, please, ask your servant, give us something, we are, we are in a bad situation. Nabal's response, many slaves are running away these days. How can you eat from the hand of David? Now he needs your help. You are inferring that maybe he's a runaway slave. You know the story. I don't need to go there. He died. He died. Father, in the name of Jesus, we will not be men and women of ingratitude. We will not despise the day of small things. Small gift, small effort, small help, Whatever it is you bring our way, no matter how small it is, teach us. Teach us to have the attitude of gratitude in the name of Jesus. You see, Thanksgiving is a spiritual barometer. And so right now where you are sitting, you can tell how spiritual you are. What do I mean by that? It is the evidence of a heart whose heart, whose life God has touched and therefore has become very sensitive to recognize that God is the source and that God is the one at work. If you and I become so dull to where we take things for granted, it's an indication that your spiritual life is lacking. It is lacking. It is lacking. Thanksgiving. It's a spiritual barometer. It is the evidence of a life that values God and has established certain values in yourself. No matter how small the thing is. Revelation is here. If somebody sends something, if I, when I was in Nigeria, she sent me a note that somebody sent $420 to help with the resolution. Ask her what I told her. Instantly, I said, how? Make sure a note goes out to that person. And then she says she sent a letter. Because you cannot receive something and don't acknowledge it. To do that is to be an ingrate. And also, it is a classical illustration of a heart that's gone cold. You need to know that. Okay, let's just move on very quickly. It's 1210. It's 1210. Luke chapter 17. Just to buttress what I've been saying to you, Luke 17. Luke 17. And it's not here, but I must say this in his his, Pastor Bakari is like that. I've watched that man. You give Tunde Bakari $5. You thank you and, and proclaim proverbs on your head. You, you, he will say proverbs that, that you don't even existed. Over five dollars. A man of that kind of substance. I've watched him. I've seen it happen. Time and time and time and time again. I got news this morning that when, when, because when I arrived in Atlanta, I sent him a text and tell him I've arrived. This man is on the pulpit and he announces to his whole church, Pastor Bank made it back to Atlanta safely. <laughs> Luke chapter 17. This is the attitude of the kingdom of God. Verse 15. Luke 17, verse 15. Man, these guys are too much now. They are, they are, they are, they are right on. Ah, ah. My goodness, they are anointed. The anointing is working on them. Praise God. More oil. More oil. <laughs> Luke 17, 15. Now, this was after Jesus healed, uh, I believe, lepers. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God. Next verse. Thank you. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him what? 
and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, Why not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Next verse. Is that another verse? Oh. Why there are not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So this is the point. Thanksgiving from what Jesus said there is giving God glory. Because the guy gave thanks and Jesus said, why not ten clients, only one return to give glory to God. So thanksgiving at the end of the day is giving glory to God. No, Thanksgiving is just not the last Thursday of November every year in the United States. That is ridiculous. To act like the devil all year long, tell us transgenders can use any toilet they want, all these heathens, all these scandalous, ridiculous politicians that need to be evicted from office immediately. All of them. From Obama, their head, to the tail, all of them need to go, we need to clean house. How dare you tell me somebody can go and use the toilet based on their gender preference? Not the gender of birth. Their gender preference. So this morning I wake up, I look like a woman. That's my preference today. Hello? And on the basis of that preference, I have the audacity to see a restroom that's labeled female and enter. How far have we fallen? And then the federal government is suing states that say they won't do it. Oh man, I have a righteous indignation. I really do. It's just ridiculous. It's gone way too far. Way too far. All of them need to go. All of them. All of them. All of them. All the senators, all the congressmen, there should be a term limit. Why should a John McCain have been a senator from Arizona ever since I got to the United States? That is ridiculous. Nancy Pelosi. Forever. Why should they have limitless terms and the presidency only has two terms? Does that make any sense? No. All of them are mad. And we need to start praying governmental prayers in this house. Otherwise, this will not change. This will not change. Give me 15 more minutes. And then you'll dance. I know you want to dance. Believers are encouraged to give thanks. Now, I'm going to correct some of the notions of what we think about this in a minute. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Believers are encouraged to give thanks. Why do we give thanks? Number one, because it honors God. Number two, because the Bible commands it. And number three, because it is dangerous not to do so. So I'll just give you reasons, three reasons. Number one, it honors God to give thanks. Number two, the Bible commands it. Enter into his gifts with thanksgiving. It's a command. And number three, it is dangerous to not do so. Now, first Thessalonians chapter five. Now, when I said what I said just now about the politicians. This is not supposed to be a tacit approval or endorsement of the dawn. Did you guys hear what I just said? <laughs> they said they didn't hear me. <laughs> but, but you must understand what's happening on the political arena. What's happening here is not, it's not, it's not the work of man here. And I, I, I hate to take this direction. If you are thinking on natural terms, you've missed it. No, you've missed it. People are not voting for Trump because of Trump. 
Not because of who it, what it stands for or what it's doing. No, absolutely not. If anything, people are voting against the establishment. If you run, you will win. That's the problem. That's it. They just don't like any of those guys. Why is it Bernie Sanders still contending with Hillary Clinton? A 74-year-old man. And every rally he goes to, young people, millennials, are shouting and chanting and goading him on. Why? Why do you think that's happened? They just don't like anything establishment. Anything. Anything establishment. Recognized name establishment, they are against it. Trump just happened to be the beneficiary of what the people don't like. End of story. They're not voting for him because they like what he's saying or he has a, a better method. No, absolutely not. No. And I'm like, the rest of those guys, I cannot stand any of the establishment. They are all complete bunch of lies. They promise heaven, they deliver hell. That's exactly right. That position should be a part-time position. Let them go and get a regular job and meet when they need to discuss anything. Seriously. It's terrible. Very expensive process. But anyway, are you in first Thessalonians yet? <laughs> oh my goodness. I need to hurry up so we can go. I'm so sorry. Chapter 5, verse 18. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Wow. Before I can say it, I already put it up there. In everything. Say in everything. everything. Say in everything. everything. Give thanks. thanks. Does that include exclude anything? In everything, give thanks. Oh, people are saying, God, I want to fast so I can know the will of God for my life. Are you really? You want to know God's will for your life? Read this chapter. Oh, I want to go and fast and pray in the mountain so God can tell me what his will for my life is. You, do you will for your life? Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's no other will. You live to give thanks to God. What are you praying about God's will for? That is it. In everything. You see, you and I are selective. When I get a promotion, I give thanks. When I buy a new car, I give thanks. Ah, when I have twins, I give thanks. Some of you may not be giving thanks for that one. Because the cost of pampas, you're wondering, is that over my budget? But we are selective to give thanks for when things are just going on well. But that's not what the scripture says. In everything. When I just got fired. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh my goodness. Dr. Hamby just taught us. We said it last two weeks. You don't respond just on the acts of God. You respond based on the ways of God. I just got fired. No, it doesn't look good. Temporarily. That's an act. But his way is behind the corner because I had to lose my job to get a new one. So when I lose that job, even though I understand I have challenges, there are issues. Father, you are so sovereign. I know you are working things out in my behalf. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to those who have been called according to his purpose. I may not see what you are doing, but I know one thing for sure. Weeping may endure for a moment, but joy unspeakable is coming after a while. So therefore, I'm giving you thanks. Do you know what that does to the devil? He's confused. The enemy of your soul is totally confused because he through this thing, so yeah, you can be depressed, dejected, so you can miss God, but when you begin to rejoice in the opposite spirit, my God, angels are dispatched on assignment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those that hearken to the voice of the word of God, they are dispatched in your situation. 
in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Some says, well, I'm not sure about that. How can I give thanks when I'm not feeling well? You must not have read Psalm 37. Where David declared, I will bless the Lord at all times. When I'm sick, I will bless him. When I'm healed, I will bless him. When I'm not feeling good, I'll bless him. When I'm feeling extremely good, I will will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will never open my mouth to question God. I will never open my mouth to say, God, are you here? What are you waiting for? What are you doing? No! No. Let me read one more. And then we're going to bring it to a close. Ephesians chapter 5. Thanksgiving. The attitude of the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 20. Please, whoever is printed at 10 o'clock, make the overhead a major point. Because look at this thing now. It's faster than me. This thing is working like magic. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 520. Look at what it says. Giving thanks, what? Always. Look at the next two words. For what? Always. Because the just tell us, you only give thanks in everything, give thanks. But here Paul says, for everything. Not just in it, but for it. For it. Remember, the operating system of the kingdom is faith. Not sight. Not sight. It's faith. Not sight. These things are all working together. So even when I'm down, when things are not going well, I can still give thanks. I'm encouraged to still give thanks. Why? Because I recognize that whatever my situation is, is temporary. It has an expiration date. When you go to the grocery store, you buy baked beans, they put on it, best used before, and they put an expiration date. So whatever you're going through, has an expiration date on it. It will expire. Whatever pain you are in will expire. Whatever shortcoming you are in will expire. Whatever is happening to you that's not good will expire. In the name of Jesus, it will expire. That's why you must give thanks always for all things. Father, I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand what's going on. But one thing I do understand, you are on the throne. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my high tower. You are my buckler. You are my God. You are always looking to do me good. I embrace your benefits. You are daily loading me with them. I receive it now. I thank you for it now. It will not be long before you see your changes. No, but once you start agreeing with the devil, look what's happening. Hey, look at this situation. Ha, yesterday I had a thousand dollars. Now I'm a minus fifty. What is going? Once you focus on your problem, your problem will be bigger than you. Wrong thinking. Let me close it out. Colossians chapter 1. There's a lot more I can tell you. Let's just close it out. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Oh, hallelujah. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. The reason you and I can give thanks today is not because we qualify. No, 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 no. You go and apply for jobs. They want to see your resume. They want to make sure you're qualified for the position. That's what man does. And that's fine with man. But with God, it's not so. John 1, 12, the Bible says, you and I became a child of God, not because of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God is your qualifier. You and I can never do enough work to qualify for God's goodness. 
you cannot do enough work to qualify for his love. So God looks down and looks at me and you. Miserable, falling humanity. He said, they can never pay enough to earn my love or my mercy. What shall a man, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world or loses soul? What can you give for your soul? God said, you do not qualify. It's not possible. Therefore, because I know you don't qualify, I will qualify you. Oh, you will not have to run your way into my kingdom. I automatically qualify you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. Where mine says you couldn't do it, I qualify you. Where you are not sufficient, I make you sufficient. That what qualify means I empower you. I make you fit. I make you enabled. God's enabling you and I to be a part of his kingdom. If you have no other reason to thank God, that is sufficient. But not only does he qualify you. Look at what he says next. He qualified you to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Why must I give thanks? I give thanks when I think of the inheritance that God gave for me. In case you don't understand this, let me take you back to Exodus. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites, they were bondage. They were slaves. For 400 years, they didn't do anything but slavery. What did they do to be redeemed? Nothing. God, in one day, qualified them. Brought them out of that bondage. Oh, that should have been good enough. But it didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to give you cities you did not build. Homes you didn't even draw the plans for. I'm going to allow you to eat vines and fruits from trees you did not plant. So what I'm going to do is, I'm bringing you to the promised land. And for each one of you, I will give you an inheritance. Joseph, you have your own land. God, you have your own land. Judah, you have your own land. God did that for Israel that were not even born again. So now Paul draws a parallel from that. He said, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life. What is that inheritance? Kingdom treasures that God has apportioned to you kingdom treasures that he has given to you. Inheritance. You did not earn it as a wage. It's an inheritance. How do you get an inheritance? You get an inheritance because of your position. Hey! You get an inheritance because God has positioned you in his son because you are now born again you become a part of him you become a part of his family so all the treasures that God has is now saying I'm giving you a portion of faith to allow you to enable you to walk while you are here in this life in a way that pleases him you see you don't understand thanksgiving that's a place where you should have been shouting because I did not call it Lexus or Mercedes Benz, you didn't get it. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. God is qualified us, making us partakers of the inheritance in the sense. But that's not all. Next verse, verse 13. Look at what it does again. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. You and I a Louis Vuitton trouser. You could wear a wig that's made in Korea and China together. It doesn't matter what you are wearing or what you are doing. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter what powder you put on your face, how, how good looking you are, how you smelling good. I'm sorry. You are going straight to fellowship with Satan right there in Gehenna. What I'm saying to you today, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, has delivered us from the power of Satan, which means you no longer belong to the sways, the de- directions, and the motivations of Satan. God delivered us and has given us the opportunity. 
to have a free will to serve him freely and never to serve the devil again in the name of Jesus. We are delivered by the power of God, by the finger of God. And I dare to tell you this afternoon that when Pharaoh chased the people of God, those that were delivered by God, when Pharaoh dared to chase them down, trying to bring them back, oh, you don't know about my God. Let me tell you about my Jehovah. Let me boast to you about my Father, the Almighty One, the El Shaddai, the Lord of Sabbath, the Lord of Hosts. When Satan dared to follow those guys, he chased them down and drowned every last of them in the river. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you take this Jesus I'm telling you, if you ever accept him, the same way God fought for the Israelites, he will fight for you. He will deliver you. Your enemy will never take you. He will never have a hold on you. In the name of Jesus, delivered. I am not afraid of the devil. I don't care what he does, what he says. I don't care how many sacrifices he makes. He can never, listen, if you bring the sacrifice, I'll bless it and eat it. Oh, you didn't hear me. Ah, I said you didn't hear me. I will bless it in the name of my Lord, Jesus Christ. I will eat it. It will give me vitamin. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Paul said. Foods offered to to idols. Who's the idol? Who made the idol? Who created it? What wood did it come from? Who made that tree? You see, our problem is we don't know who we are. Oh my God. We don't know who we are and we don't know what we have. It delivered us from the power of darkness. Satan has absolutely nothing on you as a child of God. Please say zero with me. Say zero. Say zero. Say zero. The only thing he has is what you give him. And it's called fear. Fear. Because you see, fear is the operating system of the kingdom of darkness. So it scares you and says, if you do this, this will happen. And you buy it. Stupid lie. Perfect love casts all fear. Why do I thank God? I thank him because he's delivered me from a power of darkness. I told you before and I'm telling you again. I have a catalog of friends with whom we serve the devil together. 90% of them are dead. I mean it. Really dead. And the one that's not dead is in prison. So what benefit is it? To go through life, have an opportunity to be a child of God and you don't choose him. The devil pays wages, and that wages is death. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Ha! But Jesus, He came to give life and to give more abundantly. One last point: we're going to dance. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted. Listen, if you don't want to dance, you can go home. But I know what God has done for me, and I'm sure for all of you. Look at this verse. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. You know, I don't like that word convey. In the King James and in the NIV, actually NIV, it says he has transferred us. I prefer that transfer. Transferred us into the kingdom. Verse 13, verse 13 still, please. He has transferred us No, I, I don't even like the word brought. Go to King James for me. Or go to NET. One of them says transferred. And I said, isn't I really like that word? As a child, growing up. Thank you very much. My father worked for the Ministry of Education. After a while, it's transferred. It's transferred from the He goes to Elisha. Stays in Malaysia for two years. Then they transfer him to Bumashaw. 
Transfer, transfer, transfer. I'm going somewhere. Paul said this because to people that he was speaking to understand what transfer means. Give you a case in point. Whenever a country is defeated in war, Sister Lola, all the population of that country is transferred to the country of the conquest. That's why the northern kingdom of Israel were in Assyria for so long. Persia. The southern kingdom also transferred to where? Babylon. And they were there for what? 70 years. So when Paul says this, that he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, immediately those guys got it. They understand that what that meant was like when my father left the to Bumosho, transferred. What does that mean? I don't see him again. So if I go to Bumosho to go and see him, next year he's gone to Elisha. I, don't, I lost him again. And for the Israelites, the northern kingdom transferred because they lost the battle to Assyria, served those guys in servitude. Southern kingdom, Judah, were in Babylon. Everybody understand that. That's why Daniel was in Babylon. The three Hebrew boys, that's why they were in Babylon. They were in captivity. They had been conquered in a contest. And therefore, they were removed from their legitimate place of domicile to a different place transferred. Now, for me and you, our transfer is different. How is it different? In my father's case, he returned to Ibadan. So that transfer was short-lived. In the northern kingdom, Assyria, they came back to Israel in one day. So that transfer, short-lived. For Judah, in the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, those guys return back to Israel someday. Do you follow me? So what is Paul saying? Is our transfer permanent or is it just a short while? <laughs> if you want to know what Paul is saying, go back to Exodus. When God delivered Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and took them up, stand up my friend, and brought them out to his promised land. They never returned to Egypt as a nation. That is the kind of transfer that God has for you and I. We've been taken out of the darkness, the kingdom of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love. Why did Paul say the kingdom of the son of his love? Why did not just the kingdom of his, of his son? He wants you to know the culture of what he just took you to. My God. The culture of what he just transferred you to is not just a kingdom. It is a kingdom of the son of his love. In this new place, my brother, love is what's talking. Love is the motivation. God's love to bless you. God's love to promote you. God's love to prosper you. God's love to heal you. God's love to, to do everything good for you. God's love is what dominates in the kingdom of his dear son. That's where we are. Who does not want this? Let me ask that question right now. Who does not want? Hear what I'm saying carefully. Who does not want to be in the kingdom of God's dear son? Can I see your hand? Let me say it a different way. Who loves the kingdom of darkness? Where hatred and misery is the motivation. Can I just see your hand? Anybody? Oh, so we don't love darkness? Oh. Having said that then, one last question. 
Is anybody here right now? Because when you read verse 14, Paul now tells us how this happened. He said, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, you may have come here today to honor and celebrate Tunde Loye. And I welcome you. You should have come. But I don't want you to leave and not get what he has gotten. The reason God is honored Tunde Loye is because Tunde Loye has honored him. He who honors God, God honors. It will be a travesty that you just came to a service like this and you lived the way you came. But God is here. He wants to gloriously save you. He wants to transfer you from the domain of darkness to the domain of the son of his love. Every head bow and every eye closed. I'm closing now. If there's anybody here, Pastor Shin, I'm going to need you, please. If there's anybody here right now to say, you know what? I want to be able to give thanks to the God of Tundeloye. I want to be able to express thanks to God for qualifying me, for delivering me, for transferring me. I don't want this service to close without giving you that chance. If you're here, any of us, just lift up your hands. I want to pray with you. Thank you for that hand, ma'am. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else that wants to experience this incredible love of Jehovah? We just want to give an opportunity to do so before we start dancing so that when we dance, we know what we are dancing for. I don't want to embarrass anyone. The person or persons that raise their hand, if you just quietly stand up. Pastor Shina will come to you where you are. Please. Please. Don't be ashamed. This is important. All of us did this before. All of us. Thank you. Thank you, sir.